Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I am MC Money, and I'm joined by certain the creepy soccer dad. And yes, we are very excited to welcome back House. And House, we missed you. We're glad you're back, and we're ready to rock and roll and, and get our crew back on the road here and really get back into the as we head into the regular season. Welcome back, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Go Dolphins. Sounds we like we're rather. Sounds like we're interviewing Houts for a uh, segment, so, and we need to get Houts back in the groove of, you know, dropping F-bombs and getting mad, and, you know, but not too many F-bombs. We'll all get <laughs> that's, the trick. that's the trick. we got to get him fired up about something. I'm sure we'll figure something out as the podcast goes along. We just got to Raycon, say Raekwon Hill is going to be an absolute bust in the NFL, and that'll get him <laughs> <really> riled up. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> that's, 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 oh, man. That's just a touchy that, subject that, altogether. I, I can't. Yeah, and that, that, that pissed me off, so I can only imagine how pissed House is right now. Yeah, I, I thought that was a joke when it first happened, but I'm sure you guys touched on that, and I'm – oh, man, I was freaking furious on special teams. I mean, I understand why it's out there, but, oh, man, that, that hurt. Yeah. We did. We did touch on it last week. We, like I said on Twitter, we would have been fighting if you were on the show last week because, you know, you know. We talked about That's how we, do we talked about Lippet, but I think we would have been fighting about Lippet even more. I was trying like hell to get on, but it, it just wasn't happening. And when yeah, I saw you said that, up, we had to have Sutton do the one of the most amazing intros ever in the face of planet Earth in the terms of the history <laughs> of podcast. That should happen once a month. Sutton was absolutely amazing in that intro last week. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, please do so. Uh, I will post it on my Twitter account tonight and, and just take a listen at how natural he was, how smooth he was, and how much of a great fit he can be as a host if I ever have to, you know, leave the show for something or not make a show because of any type of emergency that may happen. So, and I know the show is in great hands with you. I mean, you took a caller five seconds into the show last week. You had no idea what to say to him. Uh, he, he just started <laughs> rambling on about something. You brought him on. You wanted him to talk about Raycon McMillan. And <laughs> the show was, went to hell in the first five seconds. It was really No yeah, one knows who that was, do they? Does anyone know the name of that man? No. That's why I don't do these intros and stuff, because I didn't even think to 
be like MC Money, be like, oh, caller number three four five seven eight nine, and give out the whole phone number beforehand. <laughs> so I I, did, I I forgot to do that, and oh, then man. yeah, like I didn't even have him conference in with us, so he just kind of joined us. And yeah, there's a reason I'm a co-host and not the you know the real host. So, and I feel like that was kind of a backhanded slap at me, was it? Um. <laughs> It'll Maybe a little bit, you know. Okay. But we'll leave it up to our listeners to decide. If you want to take backhanded slaps at me, go for it. It's very you know. Angry. You know what'll be fun? You know what'll be fun though is once a month, like you said, give Houts or I just five seconds of preparation before we go live and see okay. how the intro goes. <laughs> that good. that would be fun. That would be fun. Oh man. Yeah, yeah just pretend you can't <laughs> get on. Just just screw with us so that we have. To. <laughs> Quickly <laughs> well, really come up idea. with some bullshit to get the show started. Yeah, I'm I'm good on that. That's actually a really good idea. That's a terrible All idea. Right. Let's get talking to Dolphins football here. And they played the Baltimore Ravens last week on August 17th. That was five days ago on a Thursday night. And they played them at Hard Rock Stadium. And as no surprise, the Ravens dominated the Dolphins. And it always seems that the Dolphins cannot get out of their own way whenever they play the Ravens. And I can't tell you the last time the Dolphins did beat the Ravens. It seems like they've had the Dolphins number ever since going back to the playoff game where Chad Pennington threw five interceptions <laughs> against that uh, this Ravens defense. The Ravens coming away with a final score of 13-7. to And it came somewhat of a game in the second quarter when the Dolphins came within six. It was 13-7 in the second. And then from there, the Dolphins couldn't score the rest of the way. Now, I saw a lot of reaction on Twitter, on, on the website, thefinsider.com, just talking to other buddies here in Connecticut that also watch the Dolphins play. And a lot of people were upset about the final score and the fact that the Dolphins could not score. But one thing in Sign and House, we're going to talk about this too pretty quickly. The, the Ravens had their first team offense, minus Joe Flacco, on the field for the entire first half. When you're well, pretty much the entire first half. But when you're when you're playing a first team offense against second and third stringers mixed in there as as the half goes on, I don't think you can expect any type of positive result out there, can you, Sai? Um, absolutely not. And just kind of going back to your earlier point about Baltimore having having something over us. I was in attendance in Baltimore last year, and I was really excited to be at that game. And of course, they march down the field, score a touchdown the very first possession, and that game turned out. We all know how that game turned out. So it was uh, – I picked the worst game to go to last year, um, just to throw that out there. Um, but in terms – yeah, but in terms of starters going against second team and really in general in the preseason, I think it's a natural tendency for fans to um, delve a little bit too deep into what we see and uh, – it's only magnified by the fact that we're having second team go against first team. So I think that's less of an indictment against us and more of a question mark for the Ravens. Why are they playing their starters so long? It seems like they have maybe more kinks to work out or something like that with that offense. I know they've had their own share of the injury bug, but I am not at all um, worried about, how we're going to progress. Um, I, I, I guess another way of saying that is 
I'm not taking that second preseason game against Baltimore and assuming that's how we're going to play the rest of the year. And I don't think anybody should be like that. These are depth players playing for their professional lives right now. And that's really all there is to it. Schematically, philosophically, a lot of things are going to be different week one against Tampa Bay. So um, we just shouldn't read too much into it. I know we're all thirsty for, for football, but we can't, um, we can't read between the lines too much here. House, how about your thoughts on that when you saw it, when you're watching the game? I don't know if you got a chance to rewatch it, but in terms of, you know, the starters staying out for the Ravens and the Dolphins backups playing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not all of a sudden. You, you just can't wait for football to get And then when it does, I mean, we all try to put way too much into the preseason and how the team performs. Uh, I'm really not sure what that means. I know Miami's trying to kind of ease their way into this game, and it almost seems like. All right, looks like House is having some technical difficulties there. Hopefully he can get that fixed. Uh, we're going to just send him a quick text. Son, can you send him a quick text? Let him know that I muted him um, yep. so it, it, was, it was breaking up. So, so what House was basically saying, you know, we'll try to get back him. Uh, we'll try to get him back on it to talk about, you know, what his thoughts are. But, yeah, I mean, when you are when you got the starters playing and the guys for the Dolphins playing backups, it's, it's going to be very hard to, to get that on. House, you're back on. You were having some breaking up there. Are you, are you good to go now? Talk to us. Are we good? Can you hear me? Good. Uh, still breaking up, man. Still breaking up. Then, you know, when you look at the rest of the game as well, the Dolphins have their fourth stringers, and hell, even fifth stringers coming into the game, and the Ravens are just rotating in their guys, where the the competition it doesn't even matter. And one of the big things with with the special teams unit, what an absolute disaster that was. With all those mishaps, with the fumbles, with the blocked punts, with, with just everything. But the the reality is, is this: those guys playing on special teams that night, they are not going to be there when the real season begins. I mean, you had a long snapper who hasn't been with the team. You had a, a guy, you know, behind him who, who was calling for the uh, formation and the snap and everything else that normally doesn't play on special teams, and Adam Gase said this after the game. He said, that's the fun part of preseason. You're looking for guys. When you get to the second, third group, you're looking for guys on the bench because they're playing defense, and then you're running them back there on special teams. You've got 90 guys on the sideline. You're trying to find guys. It's not easy. We had 10 guys on the field on the one where we snapped it early. That was a disaster. We had a fumble. It's just unlike our special teams. And I know Darren Rizzi's getting a ton of flack for his special teams unit during the preseason. But again, just like the first stringers playing the second and third stringers, the reality is, is this, is that these players are the 85th, 86th, 87th, 88th, 89th, 90th guy on the team for a reason. And when they get released in a few weeks and they don't get picked up by any other team, you'll realize why, you know, the special teams unit was a disaster in preseason. And with the new rules where you can't, where you don't have to cut anybody prior, you know, in the waves as we move throughout preseason – you're just going to see it throughout the entire preseason where the backups are in the game. These guys are very athletic. They are very good football players. They didn't make it to the NFL out of luck. But when you get to the NFL, it separates the boys from the men. And you also need mental capacity and mental intelligence to survive in the NFL. And some of these guys just don't have it, it seems. So Sutton, for you, are you concerned about our special teams unit? Because I'm not. 
Um, no, I'm not. And I'm actually kind of surprised there wasn't a new uh, Darren Rizzi death glare. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, it's after Terrence Fiday roughed the punter against okay. Cincinnati last year. And yeah. there is just a picture of him on the sideline with just devil eyes taking your soul. So I'm surprised we didn't see another one of those, um, considering some of the plays that we saw. But at the same time, Darren Rizzi, and there's a reason he is an assistant head coach, and that's not a title held by very many special teams coaches around the NFL, and it's because he's very good at his job. And last year, the Miami Dolphins special teams unit with Jakeem Grant fumbling punts notwithstanding had an excellent unit that, that ran back punts, that ran back kicks, that blocked punts, that blocked field goals, um, that made plays for us. And, and he's one of the best in the business at getting the most out of the special teams unit. So he might have a little bit more toying to play with in terms of who is on that special teams unit. But at the end of the day, these are mistakes made in preseason games. And if there's any time you want to make a mistake, it's in a preseason game because you can see it, know that that weakness is there, and fix it immediately. Um, it's a whole different story if we're getting into the middle of the season and we're seeing this type of stuff. But this is a preseason game where these are the times to fix those kind of issues. And like you said, MC Money, we're, we're still talking about even second and third string team special teamers, not even first team special, special teamers, but second and third string special teamers. So um, you have to get those types of players out there to get them on tape and see what you have in them. But I trust this coaching staff to assemble the best special teams unit, and I don't foresee that being, uh, you know, I, I don't foresee that being the norm. It's going to be the exception. House, we've been talking about special teams and the fact they were so dismal against the Baltimore Ravens, but the fact is that they're the 80th, 90th players on the team out there, and the Dolphins are just trying to find guys. So, in your opinion, are you upset at the Dolphins' special team performance against the Baltimore Ravens last week? All right, can you hear me? Can we, can we you start there? Ah, uh, yeah, that's glorious. All right. Yeah, I'm not putting too much stock into it. I was a little pissed off when it happened. But, I mean, like both of you have said, I mean, it's just preseason. I think a lot of us fans, we sit here and we get anxious for the season. We can't wait for it to come. And then when it does, we just put way too much stock into the preseason. So, I'm not really down on the way they played. And uh, I got tickets to that Philly game, so I can't wait to go and see, uh, hopefully, Miami's first team offense play for a majority of the game. Yeah, and Adam Gase even said today in his press conference that the offense and the defense will play at least the first half. And Great. they would love for them to come out in a second half out of the locker room and get into that rhythm. But he said it all depends on how many plays they run and how well they do in the first half if he's going to put them back out there in the second half. So you're going to see them for the first half. You may even see them for part of the second half. And, and you know, the third preseason game is the dress rehearsal in the NFL. And that's where you see your starters going all out, um, your starters – you know, getting the game in there and getting into the rhythm in the fourth preseason game, you might see the starters for one series. You might not see them at all. And, and uh, my phone just fell. And the fourth game is really for the young guys who aren't going to be making the team to get some action on tape so they can possibly latch on with another team down the, down the line and in their NFL career as they hope to uh, continue it and pursue their dreams. And, you know, we've seen that before. We've seen the Dolphins cut players and latch on with other teams, and we've seen other players get cut and latch on with the Dolphins. So one man's mm-hmm. trash is another one's treasure at times, and we'll see how that all shakes out, and you really don't know until a few years down the road. 
All right, so we talked about the Ravens game a little bit. We didn't talk about Jay Cutler. His debut as the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, as a starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, had a few nice plays, had a few mishaps, got slammed on his shoulder, and I thought when he was getting slammed to the ground, he was out for the year. And I was just thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, he's landing on his shoulder. And this is not good. Luckily, he got back up. The Dolphins trainers checked him out. Everything was fine. But, man, I think we're all going to cringe every time Jay Cutler gets hit this season because the offensive line right now is an absolute disaster. House, what do you think about that? Yeah, I completely agree. That offensive line, I think that's really what this entire season is going to come down to. And it, it definitely looked like there were some spots there that the team needed to improve on. I, I mean, Mike Pouncey wasn't in there. We're going to get to see him this this Thursday and see what he can do with that first unit. But uh, there's still major question marks at guard. I know Jawan James is still out our right tackle. So, I mean, that offensive line definitely needs some improvement. And I, I think that's ultimately where this season's lost because – if you can't protect the quarterback, if you can't open those holes up for Jay Jai, I don't know if there's anything that the passing game or the defense can do to, to save this team. House, what do you, I mean, Sutton, what do you think about that, following up from how House said? Yeah, I think this is going to challenge the assumption that's out there that you can just plug in undrafted free agents at guard and not miss a step. Um, I'm not saying that guard is the most glamorous position or even the most impactful position. But when you have weaknesses there, yeah, it gets noticed because defensive coordinators, you know, they don't have the best edge rusher going against the left tackle anymore. If your right tackle sucks, they're going to move an edge rusher over there and beat you that way. So it's really just a matchup-based one-on-one type of scheme going on in the NFL. And if there's a weak link there, defensive coordinators are going to find it. So it doesn't matter if that's at guard, at center, at right tackle. You need to have a unit that can play together. And the unfortunate circumstance with this offensive line is Larry Tunsil has really been the cornerstone of this offense, uh, offensive line, because we've had the Ted Larson injury. We've had Craig Urbic go down. So now we're talking about this Jesse Davis dude possibly coming into a starting position. Pouncey's been back and forth. You know, it's encouraging that we'll see him uh, in some live action within this third preseason game. But you can't – any Dolphins fan that's been a fan of this team for a few years knows where we stand with Pouncey and going back and forth with with that. Um, You have Bushrod in there at right guard. He might be another stable piece of this offensive line. And then Jawan James – I might be in the minority thinking that he's one of the weaker links in the offensive line in, in terms of some of the tape that I saw from last year. So, yeah, it's there's definitely some question marks there, and it's really going to depend on finding five people to just play together on a consistent basis. Offensive line is about teamwork and cohesion and working together. It's not necessarily about individual parts sometimes. So the fact that these guys haven't been able to practice that much together, that's another kind of downfall of the situation. So let's talk about Jesse Davis here for a second. Here's what Adam Gates said today after the practice with the Eagles. And we'll talk about the Eagles in a little bit. But here's what he had to say about Jesse Davis. Adam Gates says, I think he has to just put his head down and keep working. We were actually talking about it probably about two weeks ago and how he has really improved in the weight room. 
His knowledge of the offense is as good as anybody else. It doesn't seem too big for him. He gets in there and competes. I like the way he has been handling himself with a lot of the injuries that we've had, and he has had to move around quite a bit. Last week, he practiced at right tackle the whole week, and we were thought we were going to go with Anthony Steen at left guard and Jake Brendel at center. And then we kind of made a switch when Craig Urbic went down. We didn't want to have both our centers there playing together in that first group, so Jesse got thrown in there at left guard. He battled and knew what to do. It was very short notice for him. Now, we've seen all the criticism of Jesse Davis on Twitter, right? We've seen the, the jokes. We've seen the comments about him. And, and we've seen him on tape. And, and the fact of the matter is, is he did not look that great against the Baltimore Ravens. And people are concerned about this. We know the Dolphins do not put a lot of priority on the offensive line, especially the interior position. Sure, the tackle positions and the center position, but as far as left guard and right guard know, we know the Dolphins do not prioritize that. Why do we know that? Because during free agency, we knew that they were not going to spend a whole bunch of money on those positions. We know the Dolphins don't prioritize the offensive line, because let's face it, face it. Chris Forrester, the offensive line coach, has always had a mediocre line throughout his entire career. He's had lines that have ranked in the bottom half of the league for as far as I can remember. So Forrester, probably a good guy, probably has the connections there in the Dolphins. But it just seems to me, for whatever reason, the Dolphins don't put a ton of priority on those guard positions. So when you talk about Jesse Davis, a six foot six guy who's 309 pounds and an undrafted free agent, you know, it just kind of raises the questions even more and just shows you that the Dolphins really don't prioritize those positions. The good news is that a left guard or right guard, they're not going to propel a team to the Super Bowl, nor are they really going to impact the game in terms of a loss. Yeah, he might give up a sack to lose the game or on third down or fourth down with three to go or whatever. They might give up a sack, but in the overall body of work, those two positions right there on the interior are not going to make a huge difference when you look at the entire sample size. The crazy thing about this for Jesse Davis, he's had such a crazy career path. So he's from Washington. He played at the University of Idaho. He got a job in farming. He also worked as a service technician for an agriculture and fertilization company. So there, according to Davis, who talked after practice today, he said he would fix the ammonia machines, you know, like the rippers that you use to fertilize the ground. Talked to farmers, got chemical for them. Davis spent time with the Seahawks in 2015, signed with the Jets in 2016, but then waived, signed to the practice squad and released again before catching out with Miami at the end of last season. So he's been around the team for a few months now. Davis. Uh, did mingle with the offensive line last year. He, he hung out with them outside the facility, went fishing with them, went hunting with them. Davis perseveres. According to the Palm Beach Post article that was released just a few minutes ago, before we came on the air, Davis said he wanted to quit after he was cut by Seattle and began to work in farming. But Davis credits his fiance, who encouraged him to take a trip to the Jets, even though Davis thought it would be more responsible to the family to stay in the farming industry. So let's say this works out for Davis, right? 
what a career story that's going to be. If he becomes this great player, signs some kind of long contract, you know, good money. Do you think that is possible with this guy? How? Oh, man. As as you know, I'm not the uh, resident uh, offensive line guru like Sutton and yourself, <laughs> but I, I do see potential there. And I don't know if you guys saw in the group chat, but the whole time you're sitting here talking about a farmer, I'm just picturing uh, Jesse Davis on one of those FarmersOnly.com commercials. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I do see the potential there. I, I do think guard is something the Dolphins need to continue to try to improve because, I mean, yeah, Jesse Davis, it's a great story. Uh, but like you say, he didn't look great against Baltimore. We all had high hopes for Asiata coming into the year, but ultimately uh, this offensive line needs to improve if this team wants to have make the playoffs again this season. So I, I like Jesse Davis, but I think the Dolphins need to continue to try to improve and and hopefully find someone else to play those guard spots. Son, we know you are the resident offensive line guru, <laughs> but we leave the uh, last word for you on this. What, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, the only thing that would make it better, like, I'm just thinking of, like, the Kurt Warner story of when he was a grocery store clerk or something, and I'm just imagining, like, Kurt Warner out in a cornfield, like, throwing cobs of corn into a bucket or something, like, 30 yards down the row, and, like, I know I can do this. And then some agent walks in and gives him an opportunity and then he turns it into a hall of fame career. So yeah, it'd be nice if it follows that same story arc, but guards just aren't that comparable to to quarterbacks. So I'm just going to need to see a little bit more on tape and see a little bit more production before I get too ahead of myself. Obviously if we can find a left guard, starting from our undrafted free agent pool or, you know, from a roster cut from another team, all the power to us. It would just reemphasize the point that guard isn't an important position. But again, like I said earlier, I think this is going to be an intriguing year in terms of evaluating are the Dolphins wrong in not prioritizing guard a little bit higher or are we right in line with what uh, you know what successful NFL teams do and to not value that position so it's going to be an interesting kind of science experiment going forward I think it's hard to tell right now but we'll certainly know pretty soon so let's move over one spot to the center position Mike Pouncey set the play on Thursday night first time appearing in the Dolphins game in a long time uh Adam Gaze saying today it's going to be a little bit of communication between him and Pouncey right now they're going to start the game with Pouncey and see how it goes just wanted to make sure he got his last confirmation from him that he's ready to go and wanted to play in a preseason game. We'll play it by ear. I'll go by my gut a little bit. Mike Pouncey is a difference maker when he's in the game for the Miami Dolphins. Randy McMichael calls him an elite. No, not Randy. Let me back up a bit. We are having our draft specials, and we had these guys on. I'm blanking the name right now. <laughs> but, but they said that, he's an elite player and that offensive line goes to the next level whenever Pouncey's in the game. Maybe it was Randy. I don't know. We've had so many guests on the show. We need uh, to make yeah. sure. We need to Randy, make sure. My Randy Pouncey had very out. positive things to say about Pouncey. There's no question about that. Right. This is a huge year for my yeah. Pouncey. And this is a huge year for a lot of different reasons. But the main reason is because of money. When you look at Mike Pouncey's contract, in 2018, he is set 
to make a base salary of $7.97 million. With bonuses, he's set to make $9 million. But the Dolphins have a very easy out in 2018 and 2019 and 2020. If the Dolphins cut Pouncey, there is only $2 million in dead money. There is $7 million in, dead mo- in cap savings. So if Pouncey does not play a full season, if Pouncey falls off the cliff a bit, and I don't think he will, I think it's just a matter of him staying healthy, the Dolphins can realistically move on from him after this season. Houts, I'm going to come back to you on this one. Pouncey, man, I know you like the guy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like Pouncey, like you said, his biggest issue is staying healthy. And when he's, when he's healthy, he's one of the best centers in the NFL, but uh, him being healthy is the issue. And I'm, I'm not sure Miami can rely on him. I definitely think that offensive line will be greatly improved with him in the lineup. Uh, you mentioned the Dolphins having that, that out in the next few years. And, uh, that's that's all on Don Aponte, isn't it? I mean, we, we look at uh, Tannehill's contract, and I know Noah wants to talk about it, and we can look at several of these high-priced players that are reaching uh, years in their contracts, and you start to realize that Miami can ultimately cut or release some of these and just not have much of a – much of any kind of like um, – what's the word I'm looking for here? Just anything terrible to go wrong. So, I mean – if, if it were me, I would I would sit there and I would definitely consider keeping Pouncey at center. And, I mean, if he can stay healthy, the Dolphins, they, they'll have a very good year. Sign, how about your, your thoughts on Pouncey? Completely agree with what you said earlier, that this is the most important year of his career. And I'm just going to rewind just a bit. And we're going to rewind back to the free Hernandez hats that they were wearing. And this was around the same time that we signed him to the contract extension. So we extended him at a point in his career that maybe he wasn't the most marketable. So we kind of took risk in re-signing him. And hopefully he is a player, you know, as much grief as players give to teams for not backing them up. When a team does back you up, I'm hoping that that manifests itself on the field. And what I'm hoping that we see this year is Mike Pouncey realizes, you know, I've been injured. This is a team that kind of put their neck on the line for us a little bit. And I need to go out and perform and I need to stay healthy. And that's what I'm thinking all Dolphins fans are kind of hoping for this year is that he can just stay healthy and play to high level. And Unfortunately, we haven't been able to see that for a couple of years, but I think this year tells us everything we need to do. If he's middle of the pla- if he's middle of the pack, excuse me, we release him. If he is the quote unquote best center according to Adam Gase, and I'm going to trust Adam Gase over myself, um, although I haven't seen that on tape. If he's the best center in the league and he comes out and proves it, then he earns his money. And on the flip side, if he gets hurt again, anything, I mean, that, that puts his whole professional trajectory um, at a disadvantage for himself. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But I just want to remind everybody that we took a gamble on re-signing Pouncey back a few years ago. So I'm hoping that's going to pay dividends, even though Adam Gates wasn't involved in that decision. I'm hoping that 
plays out this year the way I want it to. It's going to be very tough if the Dolphins have to move on from Mike Pouncey. And we know that is going to be a huge issue if that ever happens. But we will see how it goes on, right? No one knows what's going to happen. We thought Tannehill was the healthy one. Obviously, that's not the case. All right, let's move over then. Just very quickly, I'm just going to touch on it real quick to the right side of the line. That would be Jawan James, and he is looking to play on Thursday night. So Adam Gase says that they may have the first unit in there with Jesse Davis as the left guard and Jermon Bushrod as the right guard. Jawan James at right tackle, bouncing the center and tenfold at left tackle. Could be a preview for week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's now bring in this caller on the line, area code 407, first three digits, 622. How are you doing tonight? Welcome to Finside Radio. What doing do you right. What do you want to talk about? Dawson fan for life, and I wanted to touch up on a couple of things. One second, Christoph. And, uh, okay. Christoph, we're going to shoot these questions right to House. It's a nice little welcome back, back gift for House. So go ahead. Thank you. Well, there was an observation I I noticed, and um, I wanted to kind of share it to kind of counter the theory about our offensive line. And it seems like the more we focused on the middle of the offensive line, the worse we did in the in the season. And that's we drafted Pouncey in the first round. We drafted Jameel Douglas in the second. We drafted Billy Turner in the third. And um, we didn't do so hot. Fast forward, we pretty much drafted our future uh, left tackle last season, plugged him in at offensive guard. We signed uh, Bushrod in free agency last season. We win 10 games, and most of that was done without Pouncey in the lineup. When you talk about the middle of the offensive line, you can remember we let um, we let D- Jameel Douglas go. He is now expected to be at least playing a significant role on the Patriots' offensive line. My theory is, is that we're not really focusing on the fact that one of the keys for our success this season is how well the defense the revamp defense because over the last two seasons we rebuilt cornerback in pretty much every position on the team as far as depth goes. Um, What are your thoughts as far as how long it will take the defense to gel and how well it will affect our results as opposed to the offensive line, which – seemed to do better when we didn't focus on it so much last season. Good question, Christoph. Uh, for me, I mean, the Dolphins' defense, I think it's going to take a few games for them to gel. I know it's T.J. McDonald injury. That's, or, uh, that's a big blow for the Dolphins. But, I mean, you just got to get them in there. They just got to have some uh, – they just got to learn to play better together. And ultimately, I think that's what's going to – be the key to the season. I, I like what the Dolphins are doing out the front in the front seven. You got uh, Godchild that's really starting to look like uh, the real deal next to Sue. You got those pass rushes on the outside. You see Tankersley, Xavier Howard's having a, a real good camp from all everything that we keep hearing. So, I mean, I think that defense, like you said, the Dolphins, they're, they're putting their time and their resources into that. They're starting to draft these young players who just continue to come in. And we got a healthy Rashad Jones back this year. Uh, it sucks what happened to McMillan, but 
They, they signed Molly August, so I think that the, the Dolphins' defense will be just fine. They just got to stop the run and let that secondary play. As far as the offensive line, I mean, uh, we put all those resources into it under Joe Philbin, and, I mean, you look at him now, isn't he the offensive line coach in Indianapolis? So it's, it's funny how a guy who maybe didn't have all the say in the offensive line, but he definitely had some say in some of those players that were drafted in. I mean, you see Jameel Douglas up there in New England. That's, that's what you'd expect Bill Belichick to do with any player. Turn a, a turd, he can turn a turd into a great offensive lineman. So, I mean, you, you just you just hope that the offensive line can improve. You just hope that that left guard spot and ultimately, like you said, Jermon Bushrod at right guard, you, you just hope that they can do enough to, to win games because we saw last year this team under Adam Gase, the, the sky's the limit. All right, Christoph, thank you for calling Finsider Radio. We hope you enjoy your night. Before we talk about the Eagles, let's jump to the live thread. We have any questions in there, boys? Yeah, we get, we have a few. Um, first is Daytona Dolphin. We touched on some of the O-line issues, but he kind of went uh, one step further and said, is there anyone you think that we could bring in to help out? Um, I'll just chip in real quick, and I'm going to throw this one to Houts because I think we need to get him, you know, we need to throw as much Houts' way as we possibly can tonight. All, right. <laughs> All I'm going to say it. <laughs> All I'm going to say is, like, the, the, the household name that gets thrown around is Mangold, but I'm not a real big believer that that's a, a viable option. I think the more viable option is to wait for roster cuts to see if we can improve the depth at least. Um, but I don't think we're going to find starter material, starting material at this point in the preseason. What do you think, Houts? Yeah, I'm with you, son. I think as long as we don't – I'm going to knock on wood here. As long as we don't have any more injuries, I, I don't know that Miami's going to be dipping into free agency. Sure, there's going to be those players that are cut and on the bubble of some other teams that might be enticing once they're released. But ultimately, I think uh, the Dolphins head into this game against the Eagles. I mean, that, that might be the offensive line that they plan to trot out there against Tampa in week one. Anything else in the live thread? Uh, we got another one from the Daytona Dolphin. We kind of touched on it. Yes, how long do you think Cutler will play this weekend or uh, on Thursday? I, I think he's going to play two quarters at least. If not, like you said, depending on how things go, he might come out there for that uh, third quarter. All right. And, and we have – yeah, we do. We got one from Alpha. And I just want to give a quick shout-out to Daytona Dolphin and Alpha. They are with us every single week, always asking questions. So I really appreciate you guys. Um, loyal listeners. Sure. We all do. Yeah, they're 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 just awesome. But anyway, Alpha asked of the two units, I feel offense is more set than the defense. Defense can still allow too many touchdowns. Do you guys agree? And again, it's going to be a fluid situation with how this defense plays out. There's been some injuries on that side of the ball. We have Mal Luga coming in, possibly being that two two down run stuffer type linebacker and then falling back into our, our nickel uh, package, which we're going to be using quite a bit this year, like every other team. But I think the name of the game for the defense this year is not yards allowed. It's going to be turnovers forced. And I really feel like the emphasis for this team going forward is going to be ball control and creating turnovers on defense. So we're, we need to take control of the ball on offense. Um, I think much is said about our wide receiving core, and obviously it's a very talented group. 
Um, but we've been put in an unfortunate predicament with bringing in a quarterback kind of last second to come in and command this offense. So I think we're going to have to take a little – we're going to have to be patient with this offense, in my opinion. I don't think this offense is going to come together necessarily, even by week two or week three. Um, it will come together eventually because Adam Gase is the head coach. But these things take time. These things are based on repetitions. It's not just based on talent. You know, so you have to have time to play together. So it's that. And with the defense, we just need to be able to create turnovers. And that's the name of the game in the NFL. Can you create turnovers and can you take control of the ball? And I think that's going to be the heavy emphasis going forward with this Dolphins team. All right. Anything else there on a live thread before we move to Twitter? Uh, one more from 39 is number one. With all the negativity I've seen lately, fire Gase, fire Greer, fire Tannenbaum, which would be the best response to these fans? He put, recommend firing everyone to move the team to Oakland. Recommend disbanding the team and be done with it. Recommend they become a Jets fan. And then we had a few comments in there. Agent J78 said, uh, I didn't realize CLS is alive and free. I just hoped it died off when Gase is fired. <laughs> and then he asked what CLS was, and he said Chicken Little Syndrome. So uh, I don't think if, if there are those people out there, I'd like to know where they are because, I mean, I, I'd have some things to say to them if they want to fire Gates or Tannenbaum because on what the Dolphins have done lately, I mean, we can we have nothing but to be hopeful for the future. So I, I'd like to know where those fans are because uh, I'd like to give them peace of my mind. <laughs> yeah, we just need to get over this put a head on a spike sort of mentality like something goes wrong and we just need to – fire somebody to make us all feel better like we need to realize that crap happens in the nfl and plenty of teams you know injuries are the grim reaper of the nfl and they can take elite teams and make them into nothing and they can make average teams turn into something by virtue of who they're playing so we just we're gonna have to relax on some of that we can't we can't just expect to fire people, have more organizational change, have more turnover. That's what we're all used to, and that's a bunch of crap. We know that doesn't work out. We can't no. have general managers keep changing over, coaches changing over, offensive coordinators changing over. Let's get out of this put-a-head-on-a-spike mentality and just recognize that this year, first of all, nothing's happened so far, okay? And then second of all, even if something bad happens, I don't think we can start – playing the point-of-finger game just yet. We have to let this play out. But there's there's no big heads to put on a spike, in my opinion. I agree with you. You can't, you can't make any observations based on preseason, especially in the preseason games where you're playing those two opponents later in the season. And people make an anthill or a mountain out of an anthill. That's the right way it goes. And it's just ridiculous what people are, are talking about. I, I don't get it. I don't get it, unfortunately. But let's talk about the Eagles, right? Dolphins holding joint practices with the Eagles this week. Jay Cutler today. You ready for this man's stats? You all sitting down right now? I am not, but I'll listen. You need to sit. How's okay, you sitting? Okay, I'll sit. I'm, okay, I'm sitting. I'm sitting. Yeah, I... I I had a spoiler alert earlier, but go ahead. Let's hear it. I'm ready. <laughs> Jay Cutler 
finished Tuesday's practice 13 of 16 passing with not one, with not two, with not three, with not four, with not five, <laughs> but six. Let me repeat that. Six touchdowns. Jay Cutler, Miami Dolphins, Super Bowl champion, 2017-2018 season. So here's the question. How many of those is he going to have in a regular season, like, for real, like a prediction? No, for real? Honestly, we're going to see games like this. We're going to see – If I see one of those – if I see one of those, and my head's exploding. We're going to see, we're going to see a three. four or five touchdown game from Jay Cutler, but then he's going to come back the next week and throw three interceptions and no touchdowns. That's the that's the beauty of Jay <laughs> Cutler. And we talked about that last week, how he's going to make us go crazy, and how he's not Brett Favre, but you can compare him to Brett Favre the way he plays, because he'll have an amazing throw, and then the next throw he'll be like, "What are you thinking, Jay? Like, what it, what are you doing?" And, and I think I want to mention this because a lot of people have been saying, "Oh." The Dolphins aren't using Julius Thomas. Julius Thomas is a bust. First of all, the dudes play like three, four series, right? Second of all, they play these teams later in the season. Third of all, the Dolphins don't want to show all their plans just yet. But Cutler did connect with Julius Thomas today for a touchdown. Threw it into a tight window uh, with a linebacker on the Mm -hmm. coverage. Then the next rep, Cutler completed it right again for a short game. Spread it around a bit and then came back to Julius Thomas later in the practice as well. So they do have the chemistry. They don't have, I, don't, I wouldn't say, okay, I wouldn't say they have the chemistry just yet. That is probably overstating it right now. But for people to think that Cutler's ignoring Julius Thomas or Julius Thomas isn't going to be a good ball player for the Dolphins, I think aren't looking at the whole picture and not looking at the whole context of everything. In terms of preseason and the strategy the teams must employ to not give up too many hints and too many plays and too many formations, the teams are going to be playing throughout the regular season. So, you know, 13 for 16, six touchdowns. I mean, that's incredible. Against the defense where you don't know what's coming. It's not like it's your regular camp, you know? Yeah, and I think part of the apathy towards Julius Thomas right now is there was some reports of a back injury there. So you see the box score and he only has one catch and then you – couple in a back injury with it and you're like oh okay Julius Thomas is done let's see what Marquise Gray is going to do this year and we're just getting way too ahead of ourselves Julius Thomas is still going to be an important component of this offense and yeah he who knows it may not turn out the best but I think it's overstating the fact that his injury concerns and and all that kind of stuff I think that's overblown at this point. So Jake Cutler and Adam Gase have both had recognized efficiency with tight ends. They like to throw to tight ends. Adam Gase has focused tight ends in his offense before. So there's no reason to think that Julius Thomas, Anthony Fasano, Marquise Gray will not have a significant role in this offense because they will. How do you like Julius Thomas? I do, and I think it was a good – well, obviously it was a good trade for the Dolphins considering everything that happened. But I think Miami, they, they needed that big body tight end. I, I kind of wish they would have signed Deion Sims based on the contract that he got. I understand why, but I do like Julius Thomas. And, I mean, until he proves me otherwise, I have I'm no reason to dislike him. I, I like way Dan Gates' offense, and I'm excited to see him there with Jay Cutler running those seam routes. 
and I just got mad, and so I'm going to be throwing those a lot. So, um, booyah. This time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so the Dolphins have been holding joint practices with the Eagles on Monday and Tuesday, and they won't be holding them together tomorrow. I believe they're just doing their walkthroughs. And then, of course, they play on Thursday, which will be on the NFL Let's Network. Let's go. So it's a national audience for, for the Dolphins. This, is the first, this preseason meeting is the first one between the two organizations since 1990. And Miami leads the all-time preseason series 5-4. to four. Now, the Dolphins do have a special relationship with the Eagles in terms of the trades, right? They traded for Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso. They allowed the Here Eagles to pick to move up to get Carson Wentz. Is this going to be one of those trades in, in a few years where we look back and say both teams made out very well? I mean, right now, Carson Wentz started out very hot, but it seems like the dude has potential to be a great quarterback in the NFL. Byron Maxwell was one of the better corners in the league last year, despite the negative narrative that surrounds him. Kiko Alonso was also a very good linebacker, despite some of the negative narrative that surrounds him as well. And he's only going to get better on the outside, and Byron Maxwell may be off the Dolphins after this season. But who knows? They may bring him back if he has another good year. So, Sutton, for you, you know, right now and then in the future, who is winning this trade? Man, it's kind of tough to predict just because there's so many moving parts. You just talked for like 10 minutes about all the different parts that moved around between the two organizations. So it's kind of hard to project a a true arrow in terms of who is the winner. Um, I will always err on the side of us because we got Laramie Tunsil in a roundabout sort of way. And I think he is going to be the key component of all this and he's the one guy you didn't really mention is when we fell down and luckily Tunsil fell down to us that was I think a huge moment in our organization to have a bookend at left tackle and have that type of number one talent fall down to us in the teens that just those are not things that happen to Dolphins fans you know so it's kind of a hard thing to process. Um, from what I've seen on tape for Carson Wentz, I think, yes, there's some very good tape there. There's also some very questionable tape there. So I think I'm going to take a cautious cautious approach with how Carson Wentz uh, fares out. And with Byron Maxwell, too, I think he had some inconsistent tape last year. Started off rough middle of the season played very well end of the season you know it's been kind of well documented that we've talked about the the whole ankle injury and not knowing if he could come back or not so that's a little bit in limbo for me but Kiko Alonso is another key component of that trade so I'm I'm going to err on the side of the Miami Dolphins until I'm proved otherwise all right good job Kiko is a leader in the locker room. I mean, that's another thing that people don't see. You know, we see these guys for three hours a week, right? We see them on the field in the heat of the action. We don't see what goes on during the week unless you talk to people inside the organization. But, but hey, MC Money, our, our very yeah. own Joshua House is from around the Philadelphia area. Perhaps we should get his insight into the situation. You read my mind, Stein. And this is why you're going to be a great host one day. But how, you know, (laughs) what does the Philadelphia media have to say about this trade? All right. Well, I don't pay much attention to them because if if I have time to look at Philadelphia's media, I'm going to be on Twitter listening to the Armandos and the Barry Jacksons of this world. But 
uh, for me, I mean, Carson Wentz, if this trade works out in their favor, I mean, he would almost have to be a top five quarterback, in my opinion, because you look at what Laramie Tunsil is, uh, him falling to Miami's spot, I think he has the potential to be a top five left tackle. Uh, you've got Byron Maxwell, who he might not be the best cornerback in the in the league, but I mean, last season he looked pretty damn good, and he, he was definitely an upgrade over what we had outside of Xavier Howard, who suffered that injury. And then you got Kiko Alonzo, who he might not be the greatest in coverage, but he's pretty damn good against the run. And, and as you both said, he's a leader in the locker room. So, I mean, you look at that, Miami got three players. I don't think there's any any world in which Carson Wentz can uh, end up being superior to those. I, I do like Carson Wentz. I do like his mobility. I like his arm strength. I, I like him in that offense. I think I said it before, I'm not quite sure Doug Peterson's the guy down there in Philly. But for me, I, I like Carson Wentz. But unless he turns out to be a freaking Tom Brady or a Phillip Rivers or Ben Roethlisberger, one of those elite quarterbacks, I'm not sure how this can ever favor the Eagles because, mm-hmm. I mean, what you have at Laramie Tunsil, he's a left tackle who, if he can stay healthy, he's going to solidify that left side of the offensive line for years to come. Kiko Alonso, he's still young, just signed that contract extension. One of the better uh, run-stopping linebackers in the league. And then Byron Maxwell, I, I know Kanata – touched on a little bit last year they he mentioned how Miami might move on from him real has a lot of interest in Tremaine Johnson I think Xavier Howard might be the best quarterback on the roster but I mean Byron oh. Maxley you got you got a very good starter there I'm not really sure that any way this trade can go in the Eagles favor interesting very interesting do you think Carson Wentz going to be a very good quarterback eventually yeah I do I mean if you say I, I don't want people to hate me but I mean you say who would you rather have Carson Wentz or Ryan Tannehill and try to factor in age? I mean, I think both those quarterbacks are pretty neck and neck at this point. Carson Wentz hasn't had uh, nearly as much time in the NFL. So, I mean, I do see the potential there. I know he has some mechanical issues. Uh, and again, I'm just not quite sure that that's the head coach for them, but I think Carson Wentz, he's going to, he has a future there in Philly, but again, there's no way you can have a, uh, franchise left tackle, one of the better middle linebackers or outside linebackers in the league, and then Byron Maxwell, who's more than a sufficient number two, if not a number one corner on some teams. So I can't see how that trade favored the Eagles at all. So how can you move into Thursday's game against the Eagles? I know you're going to be there live. I'm going to get my ass kicked for saying this, right? <laughs> like, they're just going <laughs> to mom me. They're like, that hell to do? And they're just going to beat the yeah, shit Yeah, they're all listening to the podcast this week. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are you most looking forward to, Halep, for Thursday night's game? Honestly, we got tickets. We're 20 rows behind the Dolphins bench. So I'm, I got a, a Jai jersey that I plan on wearing. I'm going to do everything I can to get that signed by him. But ultimately, nice. I'm just ready to see Jay Culler. I just want to see how Miami is moving forward without Tannehill because I think we were all really excited to see Tannehill take that second second uh, year under Gase. And I, I'm just excited to be there I, I think Philly they have a great team and I'm the I'm most excited to see how they match up against each other because that defense is I think that's one of the best defenses in the league and I think uh based on like you said the practice notes six touchdowns for Cutler I, I who knows where the ball was on the field at the time but I mean uh, that's a pretty damn good defense to do that against so I'm, I'm excited to see how Miami comes out in this dress rehearsal I mean this is as close to the real deals we're going to get so Philly's a hell of an opponent, and I'm excited to see the way that Miami faces up against one of the better teams in the NFC. Son, how about you? What are you looking forward to on, on Thursday night? Well, I'm looking forward to Houts having a good time because I know he's going to be there, and I wish I was there with him. But I'm looking forward to this first-team offense, and I think that's going to be 
like I said earlier in the show, I think we need to have a little bit of a patient approach with this offense in terms of they haven't had repetitions together. So I think this third preseason game, when the starters are out there a little bit more, we need to see the offense clicking just a little bit. I'm not expecting wonders or anything like that, but I want to see them start to show that they're starting to recognize the nuances of the offense, not just the framework of the offense, but the nuances of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing Jay Cutler out there for a little bit, looking forward to Mike Pouncey being out there for a little bit. I'm just looking forward to seeing the starters for an extended period of time because this is the only preseason game that I think one can actually extrapolate some things from the plays that we see. This is the one meaningful preseason game of all four of them. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing everything, to be honest with you, uh, especially the first half. And let's just get through without any injuries. I was sitting here listening to Sutton yeah, talk, and that's the first thing that came to mind. Like, it's it's been a hell of an offseason for us, so let's just pray that – I mean, yeah. I know some people, maybe they don't believe in a higher being, but you need to pray to something that this team's going to make it out of Philly healthy because, uh, like we all said, week, week four, the fourth game of preseason, I mean, that's essentially just letting those young guys play and seeing who's going to make the roster. So, for me, an- another huge thing is just <laughs> letting those starters get out of that first half healthy and then even some of those yep. contributors that are going to be on the 53-man rosters, let them be healthy because we've taken enough blows. We've suffered more than some teams might all off se- or all season long. So, I mean, uh, that's ultimately where it all comes down to. I I can see Cutler go out there. He can throw three interceptions as long as everyone gets out of there healthy. I mean, let's just let's just get ready for Tampa and, and hopefully re- get back to the playoffs like we did in 2016. <clears throat> Do it. I think Kanata's gone, I, so we just gotta. <laughs> I think I think Matthew Kanata is having some technical difficulties, so I'll take Probably. over the intro. I'll take Probably over pooping. the end of the show, like I did last week with the beginning of the show, and I'll just say that the one name that seems to be forgotten with a lot of us right now not forgotten but just seems to kind of be swept under the rug is Jay Ajayi does anybody remember this guy absolutely that's that's probably my favorite player on the team right now and I mean we we all thought coming into the year that he was going to be a huge part of the offense but I don't know about you but last week against Baltimore it just seemed like he was he was a huge part of it it seemed like every other play Cutler was either checking down to him or they were they're running a, a stretch off right right guard so I mean for Miami it I think he's going to be the bread and butter, and that's why I think the offensive line is such a crucial part of the year because, uh, I mean, Jay Ajayi is one of the best backs in the league, and I can't wait to see him play. And when you think about it, and I'm not saying Jay Cutler shrinks the playbook in any way, but I think that with Jay Cutler replacing Ryan Tannehill quarterback, you got to look at our ball control offense, and I keep bringing this up, so sorry if people are getting annoyed by my redundancy, but Jay Jai was a big focus of our reawakening last year. And it seems like we're forgetting about him just a little bit, just because there's intrigue around the quarterback position. I get that. But Jay Jai is going to be a huge, huge part of this offense. Jay Cutler is not only a stranger 
to not throwing to his running back? Yes, he does that. Uh, he had Matt Forte in his backfield, and there's no reason to believe that Jai would not be as involved in the passing game. Not to mention that we have Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams, who are both excellent pass catchers out of the backfield playing behind him. So if you factor in the bell cow aspect of Ajayi taking over the running game, also being a at least a slight factor in the passing game, if not more, because I, I know there, he was doing some work in the offseason improving his hands, but having Davian Williams and Kenyon Drake in the background to be that third down pass catcher, I think the running back group is going to be a huge integral insurmountable part of this offense and without them I think we break down but if this running back group succeeds I think we could shock some people absolutely all right I'm excited can't wait to see what this team can do moving forward and I mean you you said it better I, I think some some fans might think that if Ajay were to get hurt which God Please never let that happen. But if something were to happen to Jai, some people think seem to think that Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams could just be a plug and play, and I'm not quite sure uh, they can do that. Like you said, I think they're both exceptional pass catchers. I'm not sure that's one of J.H.I.'s strong points at this moment. I know, he, like you said, he practiced throughout uh, all season to improve. But for me, I just think the weapons, I can't wait to see what Adam Gase does with Shaquem Grant. I, I know he's not uh, – the best wide receiver on the roster, but that speed and just the ability that they can put him in Kenyon Drake and you have all these weapons. I mean, you got one of the better offensive minded coaches in the NFL. It's going to be exciting to see what Adam Gase does with it. And I did get JGI in my fantasy draft 10 man league. I had the seventh pick in the draft and I got him on the turnaround in round two. So very happy with that. Nice. I picked Devontae Freeman in the first round, but JGI, man, the dude is a beast. He, the dolphin season, rides on him and it's crazy to say that right considering he came out of nowhere last year but you know it, it does because like you both said Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams cannot just fill the hole that J.H.I. left J.H.I. is a special violent runner and well and 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 the tape last year just speaks for itself that some of J.H.I.'s tape from last year is absolutely mind-blowing and I'll be the first to admit I'm a little bit biased because I liked Ricky Williams when he was in the Dolphins uniform. But some of the just nuances of the position, the angles that he takes getting in the holes, the way he breaks tackles, the way that he can just monster truck people over and he can also elude people. Uh, And – the run against Buffalo week 16 where he's basically getting tackled by defensive tackle while he's stiff arming a cornerback and then somehow gets around the edge and scores a touchdown. That's what defines Jay Ajayi to me. So people might be sleeping on him a little bit and I'm not talking fantasy purposes. I I don't know how the numbers are going to shake out, but I, I just know in terms of the Miami Dolphins offense, Jay Jai is going to be a – I don't even know what the word is. Like, he's going to be like the solar system of our offense. We see in the NFL the running backs cycle through, right? We, there were 
years where Jamal Charles was on top before him, Damian Tomlinson before him, Marshall Falk. And, and you're on the top as a running back for only a short period of time. Two, three, four years, the most mm-hmm. likely mm-hmm. your special talent. So I think, and I'm this, this isn't a hot take, this is a bold prediction, but I think if JHI has another monster season this year, he will be considered a top three running back. And when you look at fantasy drafts, he'll be one of the first few players taken off the board in many drafts across the world. You guys think I'm wrong? Not at all. I, I, I won't argue with you there because I know that he doesn't have any goal line people behind him. Uh, Damian Williams, I know, vultured a couple uh, touchdowns last year, but I think that was more just play design than it was targeting him. Obviously, we want Jay Ajayi. I believe he was the number one broken tackle person for pro football focus. So it's not like we're just this, this all conjecture here. The tape is there. He did wonders last year. So I, I'm, I'm willing to ride that and see what we have there. Yeah, you're right. He's the, he's the main guy in Miami. There's no one else out there, right? There's no one else behind them as of now. And there won't wait, probably won't be because the Dolphins have so many holes to fill. They're not thinking about a backup running back when you have Damian Williams and Kenyon Drake who can fill in and do a solid job, but not a job like Jay Ajayi. All right, anything else before we sign off the air tonight from you, Houts, or you, Sutton? Nothing for me, Go Dolphins. I just, lo- I just love that we're, we're a, a threesome again. Isn't that very sexy for us to all be together again? Very hot. <laughs> That is fantastic. That is a fantastic way to go. <laughs> I, I did have one guy asking me on Twitter who the touchdowns were to uh, today from Jay Cutler. So here they are. Julius Thomas, two of them, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, and Anthony Fasano. One of the touchdown passes to Devontae Parker was thrown in the corner of the end zone in double coverage. BVP went up and got it. And you might be seeing a lot of that today. Uh, not today. This year as we move throughout the season. All right, boys. Can and girls, we do- go ahead. I just want to say, can we do a three company theme song as uh, we come on the air next week, or are we going to get some kind of lawsuit for that? What was the song you broke up a little bit? Three's Company. You know what? <laughs> Let's just do it. <laughs> Maybe I'll buy the that's right funny. song just so we can play it just for you. All that right, that's going to be it, boys and girls, for this week on Finsider Radio. We thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next week. As we recap the Eagles game, look forward to the fourth preseason game, but more importantly, the first week of the 2017-2018 NFL season. For Sutton, the Soccer Dad, and House MD, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. 
Get your back-to-school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back-to-school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fultron! I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.